Welcome to the Course of Action Podcast with me, Jeff Clark. My guest today is Tracy Borson, authentic culture consultant, personal branding guru, and leadership coach. Once in the world of big corporate, Tracy now focuses on coaching people with their personal brands, voices, culture, leadership, and development. Tracy has even personally helped me find my voice and is a big reason why I had the courage to start this podcast. So without further ado, Tracy Borson. Okay, so Tracy, thanks for coming on today. Um, I have one big question right out the gate that I want to ask you. Um, and I noticed it's a recurring theme on your your LinkedIn and your website and just about everything that has to do with you um, is the word authentic. So tell us in your own words, what does it mean to be authentic? First of all, Jeff, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And I think I probably have a very short, sweet de- definition, but uh, <laughs> well, we'll dive into it a little bit more, I'm sure, as we go throughout the episode. But to me, at the very baseline, authenticity is being you, being yourself. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that I know that comes up quite often in the social media arena, when people talk about authenticity, is that this belief that you have to tell everybody everything about you and the skeletons in your closet and how much your mortgage is and you ate for breakfast yesterday. And that's not, I mean, if you're the type of person who like really gets jazzed about sharing that kind of stuff, you can, but it's not about sharing more than what you want to. It's about sharing exactly what you want to and trying to get away from other people censoring you um if you want to you want to decide i had actually another podcast host asked me this and the example she used was a miscarriage so if you had a miscarriage do you have to tell everybody about that absolutely no you don't if you want to tell people about that you can you can tell people about it a year after it happens you can tell people about it three weeks after it happens it's it's based on you and you being able to make the decisions that are right for you so you right being yourself I think that's um, I think that's something really big, and we'll get into it some more. But I think people tend to think that um, you're being constantly judged. So how do you be authentic when you're being constantly judged? And I think my answer to that is, um, why do you care if you're being constantly judged? And that was something I had to kind of get over. And you know, um, I could care less what people think of my truck or what my house looks like. I'm concerned with do I enjoy it? Do, you know, my family members enjoy it? Do they appreciate it? That's what I'm concerned with. Uh, you know, if, if you don't like it, you can change the channel. That's just, and it's kind of how I'm, I'm finally approaching this podcast is um, I'm doing this for me and for people like you who I've been connected with so I can help raise their voices and raise my own voice and just enjoy it. And if, if people tune in and they don't like it, well, then don't follow. Don't subscribe. You know, I'm fine with that. You're not going to hurt my feelings. And I think it's about being authentically me and saying, well, this is what I wanted to do. I didn't ask you for permission. Um, And I'm doing it because I want to. So something that uh, you just said triggered a thought in my head. And um, Deion Sanders, the uh, legendary football player, he said, you got to be careful who you label a role model because some of these models are out here playing roles. And I thought that was that was huge because, you know, 
when you said, you know, your mortgage and, and this and, and you're telling people this and that. And you got to be careful because some people are out here saying, you know, I have a big house or I have a $1,500 mortgage or I drive a fancy sports car and they're not. They're just saying it because it's vanity. And I think that is a that's a huge thing when it comes to being authentic. Why are you lying to yourself? Well, and it, it's just really interesting because, I mean, to me, every time I show up and be something that I'm not, it doesn't feel good. And, and I don't right. think it feels good for anybody. So then we really have to look at the reasons why we're doing that. Are we doing that because we think we can't be a thought leader without showing up like Tony Robbins, right? Do we right. think that we can't? move to the next level in our career if we don't mirror our CEO, right? Like this mm-hmm. is, there's a lot of societal narrative that comes into play in us not being authentic. And the other piece of that is that we don't actually have a, a space, a time, an education system that teaches us how to practice being ourselves. We have Mm. all of these systems that have been built to train us to be told what to do. And the fact of the matter is there's people like you and me, Jeff, who just are like not very good at that by nature. (laughs) Um, And as long as you're telling me to do something I want to do, then I'm fine with that. But as soon as you tell me that I to do something I don't want to do or you stop me from doing something that I want to do, then we have a problem. And like, quite honestly, most of our societal systems are built that way. And corporate America is built that way. I'm Canadian. Corporate Canada is the same. Corporate America is the same. Um, But the corporate work environment is the same. Our judicial environment is the same. Our education system is the same. It's just, it's all built on being average um, not, and, and because people don't know how to support people's unique qualities, it, it's easier to manage yeah. average. Um, and then the narrative we get is be average. Well, I don't even like saying it. And I think it, be, it really came from, um, it's a mentality shift and we haven't done that well, uh, globally, um, especially the United States and, and maybe Canada too, you know, they're very closely related. Um, but you know, that mentality of being average, going to work, um, and just being what you're told to be is, is an old way of thinking back when that's all people did. There wasn't entrepreneurs weren't a dime a dozen, you know, back in the fifties and sixties and seventies. Um, if you thought of a crazy idea and tried to act on it, people thought you were crazy. Now people are setting up businesses and have multiple businesses. Some people, and they're working from home. I mean, a year and a half, almost two years ago, if you said, I have a, I have a business, I work from home. People were like, how are you doing that now today? It's like, well, I'm, I work from home, you know, full time with my job, mm-hmm. you know, um, and they embrace it. So it's just a, it's a, such a change that, you know, you're right. It's, it's, it's something where we've been kind of, there's a, been a ceiling that's been put over us. And I think we're finally starting to break through that ceiling and realize that the world can be more influential and 
you know, impactful through entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship can be a very broad word. Um, but again, you got to be authentic in it. You can't be out here playing a role. You got to be authentically yourself. And to speak on that, I think I've found more success in doing what I wanted to do by being me than trying to live up to somebody else's standard. So it's, it's one thing to study people, right? Yeah, most people do. It's one thing to study people who you are influenced by. It's another thing to um, try to duplicate them. And I found that when I stopped trying to duplicate somebody else's success and I tried to just learn something from it, I became a little more successful myself. But I felt like it was natural, organic, you know, authentic, and it just happened a lot easier. So um, authenticity is a huge word. I know it's something that you've been heavily, heavily focusing on because I see it everywhere. Um, and I think that's awesome because there's a lot of vanity metrics. There's a lot of imposter syndrome. There's a lot of people trying to still find their way uh, in this kind of this somewhat post COVID type of world um, where we're dealing with the effects of how does this work? How are we going to work long term? Um, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. But what I want to ask you now is a little bit about, about your background. And I know you were in corporate world, let's say corporate world for a while um, in marketing and business. And, and and that was just not cutting the mustard. It wasn't making you happy. It wasn't making you feel whole. What happened there? Why did you make the shift from the corporate world, safe job security to I'm going to go out on my own and do this? And it, it's such an interesting question, and I love answering this question because I, I'm not the entrepreneurial type. Like, you know, those kids. <laughs> I mean, I, yep. I, granted, I did have a bike wash when I was a kid. We would wash the neighborhood's <laughs> bike and then go and spend our money on candy bars. The, um, didn't have the lemonade stand? Yeah. No, we never had lemonade. I don't know. Bike wash was more my speed. <laughs> but anyway, um, I never would have considered myself an entrepreneurial spirit or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing that is interesting for me, though, I started working in corporate work environment when I was 23. And I remember being 23. I probably had worked. I worked for a national retail furniture company. I probably had worked there for, I don't know, a couple of months. I don't think a year. And I remember sitting there thinking, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. My education is in marketing. So I was working in the marketing department, um, doing event planning and direct marketing. And just thinking like, what is, what? And the words in my head were, what am I doing here? And now the way I think about it is like, I wasn't doing anything I cared about doing. So I always cared about doing a good job. I like always wanted to exceed people's expectations and things like that. It's why I ended up being a really good basketball player and graduated at the top of my class and all of, all of these things. Right. And at the same time, I never had a minute to think about like, what do I want to do? What is that contribution that I want to make? And I got like a lot of people caught up in the corporate ladder just climbing the corporate ladder, getting promoted, getting headhunted for other organizations, getting promoted there, getting moved to different cities. And I just like, that's just what work was to me. That was my definition of work. And I didn't really expect anything more out of that. Um, And I taught dance on the side. That's where I got to do like my creative outlet. Um, And I just built my life around work being a place where I go to do a thing I don't care about doing. 
Right. Um, You're collecting your paycheck. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are like that, right? And there's still so much of the like societal narrative about that's what work is. That's what work is. You trade your time yeah. for a paycheck so you can fund your life. But and I don't think there's is- anything wrong with that necessarily because I think there's plenty of people who who go to work and don't, you know, like I, I didn't come here to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's fine, right? The, yeah. the, so the problem for me was that I constantly thought about what I wasn't doing mm. when I was at work doing other things. And every time I thought about that, it was like a, I call it poking my personal brand. Um, so it was just like poking <laughs> me and being like, you could be doing this. You could be doing, you could be doing something else. That means more. And you're just like, no, that's stuff. But we work. Most of us work eight hours a day, right? Like 40 <laughs> hours a week. That's a lot of hours. That's a lot of hours that I could be doing something more meaningful to me. Yeah. And the first time I really noticed that was when I had my son. My son is now three and a half. Um, and when I went back to work after I had him, I just, I, I really could notice that I didn't care. Because what was happening now is I was sending my son to daycare full time um, and trading 40 hours a week plus because I was in senior management. So probably 50, 60 hours a week. Trading that time with him that could be spent with him to do work I didn't care about. And Mm. that's really hard to do. And I did that for a a little over a year. And then I was like, nope, I can't. And one of the, and I think a lot of people have this too, kind of the like straw that breaks the camel's back. And so for me, being in marketing, one of the struggles with marketing is that you are always the voice of someone else. You're the voice of yes. a brand. You're not the yes. voice of yourself. And so when it comes to being the voice of yourself, you tend to censor your voice over the corporate voice because that's what you're being paid to do. You're being paid to be the corporate voice. And it came to a point where my voice and the corporate voice were not aligned. We were not, we did not believe the same thing. And therefore right. I couldn't, stand for something that was very important to me and that that was the straw that broke the camel's back for me and it was my first insight into why authenticity is so important for me because as soon as work became the limiting factor to me being able to say what I want and take my stand in society I quit I it just I I couldn't deal with it and I think a lot of people deal with that day to day and it doesn't impact them in the same way. And that's because I have a core value of authenticity, which quite honestly has only become very obvious to me in the last year or so. Um, right. But it, that was it. And it's funny because I've had a lot of people who ask me like, oh my gosh, that must have been such a hard decision. Like I had a senior level corporate salary, I have benefits. I worked for the company for eight years, right? And so there's it's safe. I could have worked there for my entire career. Totally could have worked there until I retired. Definitely. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And different, different things will get different people to that point. But for me, Mm -hmm. that was it. And quite honestly, it was the easiest decision I ever made. And I have not regretted it for one second. And I think that's why a lot of people, um, you see people jump from job to job. And I think it's because of that. They have an internal voice that wants to speak, but they don't feel like they can speak 
and the environment they're at. And that's not a knock on any kind of corporations necessarily, but I think there's people who want to align themselves with a company that speaks like they do. And if they can do that, then they find a whole nother level of fulfillment. Um, you know, I don't know how well I do as a marketing individual working for a furniture company. I really don't care that much about furniture. Um, I think I would struggle to endorse that. You'd be surprised that. what you learn about furniture. The <laughs> amount of like, right? random furniture dovetail <laughs> connect and like, I, I'll never be able to use it, but it's right. in there. <laughs> I th- but I think that's why a lot of people move around and they try to find their their brand association and they want to stay in corporate America or cor- the corporate world. And that's fine. And then there's folks like you who say, I could do a lot more with my voice outside of that. And they, they, they jump ship and they, they jump right into a bigger ship. And I think that's awesome. And for you, you went right into coaching and personal branding and, and, and marketing you and, I think that's really cool. I used your services last year, helped me really find my voice. But why did you jump into coaching? Like you did this pre-COVID though, right? Yes, I did. So I've had my business since March of 2019. Um, But I quit my corporate job in June of 2020. And it was just like, (laughs) screw it. I can do this (laughs) instead. Um, And one of the things that's really interesting for me, and the reason why I chose coaching is that there was this moment when I was still working in corporate and I was standing, I probably should have been paying attention to what was going on in the room, but I have no idea what we were talking about, but the CEO (laughs) was in there and the HR manager was in there and me. So again, like we're probably talking about something important, but what was happening in my head was that I just don't, I just want to coach people. I just, I love watching people grow and learn and thrive I've like coached baseball since I was 19. I coached, started coaching basketball when I was 15. Like I, I have coaching. Coaching is in my blood and I love it. Um, and in that moment, I was like, what am I talking about? I have an entire team of people here who I manage, manage. This is the difference between like leadership and managing um, right. that I can coach. And so I really embraced that in that moment. And I took that time. To, to coach my team and to learn how to coach. I had an individual who was working in, on our sales team who has severe anxiety, who like now it's like, it's like he's a different person now. He doesn't work there anymore either. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it was just amazing. And there were so many people that there was one, um, one person that I had as an employee who just like, who also just quit and built a tiny house and now lives off grid. Um, there's That's a person cool. that I coached who now works for a much bigger organization in their marketing function. And she worked in the customer experience team because that was the direction she wanted to go. So for me, watching these people just like own their career and build and, and do what's right for their life um, mm-hmm. was one of the greatest gifts. And so leaving the corporate environment, I already knew that that was quite honestly the, the one part <laughs> of my executive job that I liked. And so that's what I did. And it's one of the other things because, and this is based on my journey specifically, is that I felt I had that pressure of feeling censored, that I couldn't use my voice. 
And then coming out of the corporate environment, I was like, well, what even is my voice? I don't even know what my voice is because I've been so good at being the voice of someone else for so long. And I just think that when we can listen to other humans and we don't Mm -hmm. necessarily have to understand their perspective, but we can Mm -hmm. hear them. And we can, and I love that, Jeff, I know that you used to hear these truths, right? We can actually hear them and hear what they're saying and right. people, like people feeling heard and people being around listening to noise isn't the same thing, right? People feeling heard is like a, a human need. I need to feel heard. And I just, especially if you are an author or running your own business, trying to pretend to be someone else and your voice just sounds like a copy i mean Stop. marketing rule 101 you got to stand out from the market yeah yeah right? so you sound the same as everybody else you can't do that and by nature we all sound different we all are different we all use our right. voice our vocabulary we talk about the things we uniquely care about there's nobody who can sound exactly like you so in order to have that voice that stands out you just got to be you and it's, it's, I mean, it was a, it was a progression. And that's one of those things I want to share too, because if there are other entrepreneurs who are, are listening to the show, I want you to know that this is a journey, understanding your personal brand and what authenticity means to you, because authenticity, some, me showing up authentic isn't the same as Jeff showing up authentic, right? Because we're two different right, people. Right. And so mm-hmm. for you, the listeners, your way to be authentic is different as well. And that journey of figuring that out, the evolution of your personal brand, it continues for your entire life. Right. Yeah. Things will Doesn't change, stop. right? Starting a business, having kids, getting married, right? All of these different things that happen to us in life, they change who we are and what we care about. And that means our personal brand evolves and what authenticity looks like us will look different. And that is normal. That's normal human behavior. Um, And it is a continual learning process your entire life. That's why you'll notice that so many entrepreneurs, they'll change their offers or they'll change their brand name or because they're, they're doing things that fit them. And what fits them today is different than what fit them five years ago. And that is normal. I don't wear I think the, that was, some uh, of the clothes I have five years ago. I still wear, but um, right, not all of them. Right, they have to be like yeah, very you specific. Do it, you do what makes you comfortable, mm-hmm. and I think that's. Um, I had this discussion with my wife last year, right before I hired you um, for your services, and um, which we'll get into. Um, I don't want to spoil it just yet, but um, I really told her. I said, you know, you're on the tail end of school. You're about to graduate. Um, I've been in, you know, I was in the military, then I went over to be a government civilian and and I liked what I was doing. I didn't like, I didn't like love it, love it. Um, I loved the military and I liked what I was doing. I found a sense of fulfillment in it, but it wasn't, it wasn't 100% me. I was largely doing what I was told and I was climbing the ladder. I was collecting a paycheck, but my mission set at the time was to take care of my family and to get my wife through school. And now that we were we saw the light at the end of that tunnel and we were almost there, you know, and she's going to start her career. I really said, you know, I can keep doing this and climbing this ladder and doing this. And it's going to pay off well for me in the end. I'll have a great government pension later on. You know, I'll have a lot of awards and decorations that hang on the wall. 
probably even some stories. But you know, how much would I enjoy it? You know, what, what will I feel like at the end of the day? I had a hell of a career. And when I hang it up, will I say I accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish? Or do I want do I want to branch out and be a little bit more me? And I was a really creative kid. You know, I drew a lot. I played with a lot of toys. I had a wild imagination. Like, um, and I was doing the exact opposite of that. I was in the corporate world of the government and doing things and going through the motions. I enjoyed it. It was fast paced. It was business related. I love business. It was, it was perfect for me. It just wasn't a creative outlet. And I said, I got to start doing some more things. And that's when I was interviewing, um, you know, people like yourself, coaches that focus on personal branding. And I realized, thanks to you, that um, personal branding is not about a logo or a color scheme. It's so much more than that. And there's people out there that can help you with that. But branding isn't about your logo, the clothes that you wear. If you, you anybody can do that. I can duplicate what anybody else wears online and look the same exact way. It's going to pay me no dividends at all if it even pays me a few dividends not a big deal but your voice your voice and being able to articulate who you want to be is where the money's at and that's what you focus on you don't you don't do a whole lot of logo creating and and all this stuff you focus on the voice and that is that is huge but i want you to kind of explain why the voice is more important because I think so many people out here today, especially entrepreneurs, um, you know, they slap a fancy logo on a website and, and this, and this brand and they see it and then you go, Oh wow, that looks nice. What do, what do you do? And they have a hard time then saying what they do because now, you know, not to downplay it, but now coaches and entrepreneurs are dime a dozen because of COVID everybody started working from home and doing that. Mm-hmm. But there was, I saw, and I've seen on LinkedIn and in the community, there's a whole lot of coaches, but they don't, they don't like separate themselves. They don't explain well what they do. Well, I coach leadership. Great. So do I, you know, (laughs) I've won leadership awards. What have you won? Like, tell me, you have to tell me what you're doing. And that's where your voice comes in. And that's what you do is, is you help people find their voice in that and why is it important? How do you do it? So, first of all, a good graphic designer can help you. If you sure. don't know what you do, it's too soon. It's too soon to enlist their services. Yes, and there you I go. I am the worst at graphic design. So, that's probably one of the reasons. <laughs> so I, I, that's why you went not, into the voice. <laughs> I can't do I cannot dabble. I create my own stuff on Canva, but I am not... <laughs> I just, but this is part of your voice, right? Like I embrace that. I tell people I am terrible at graphic design. Could I go and learn graphic design because people always need graphic design? Sure, I could, but I don't care about graphic design. I think pick the colors, fonts and stuff you like and make your logo. Your logo doesn't mean anything until you make it mean something. And Ooh, I say good. this all the time because, and, and people haven't thought about it, but think about the like big brands you love or hate, right? Like Apple, Nike, Disney, these brands, Disney is actually my favorite for an example, because the word Disney, just a guy's last name. That was his last name. <laughs> he turned yeah, it into true. a brand. He turned it into a name that means magic and 
childhood memories. And he made it, he made it mean that based on his set of values and the experience that he created. And so the reason why I care so much about the voice is there's so much power in a voice to create a feeling. And Mm. so whether it's through a podcast or on the phone or on a video, there you can hear the different tones or you can tell what people are passionate about. And as much as like I'm a fan of writing, I love writing my blog and all those things, you can't do that the same in writing. Plus, from the time that we're kids, we get taught at school to self-edit what we write as we go. Um, and it's mm. like really hard to break that habit as an adult, even if you're posting on social media. You, it, yeah. you will have to check it for grammar. You can't, I mean, most people, <laughs> most people at least have to check it for that. And when you start to check for grammar, then you edit out that word that maybe is like too, too loosey-goosey. I want to choose a more technical term right like the uh we're built we're built to self-edit especially yeah but when you get someone talking about what they care about this was actually like one of my favorite things so i don't have it anymore but i used to have a facebook group and one of the things that i encouraged people to do was do a video intro and it was so interesting to watch them because when people would come on the first time and it wasn't a very big group so it was like pretty safe in terms of like showing up but people would be like so tentative when they started talking. But then every time they started talking about something they care about, it's like this switch goes off. And yeah, the lid came off. Yes. And they're just like excited and passionate. They're using their face and they're using their arms. And they just are like, they're not even thinking about how they're showing up anymore because they're just talking about things that they care about. And they're not thinking about what words am I using? I actually did an expert interview just before this for my Bonanza and the gentleman did uses a lot of profanity. And I was like, dude, that's who you are, right? Like some people are offended. Yeah, don't by apologize. It. I have a three-year-old, so I try not to use it, but like, that's me. That's my brand. That's not you yeah. being you, you be, no, I don't want you to censor. If you feel like you need to use those words, use it. If I, if you use a lot of them and I feel like I have to bleep them out, then I will. <laughs> but like, right. that's you. And so that is the power in the voice and that those voices are what connect other humans to each yeah. other. It's what allows people access to understand your values and they can connect with you based on a values alignment level you guys, this is where you find the best spousal relationships and the best relationships with your children and the best clients for you and the most traction in your social media marketing, right? Like it's because you're talking about something you care about and you're using your words. It's so funny because I had um I had a lady once that I coached who was talking about she had taken she had gone on a Europe trip and she hadn't posted. Oh, heaven forbid. She hadn't posted on social media for like three weeks. Um <laughs> And then she was so concerned about what to post because she was gone for three weeks. So now she needed it to be profound. And I, my experience is every single time I say something, I believe to my core in my own words, people, other people think it's profound. I think it's just what I think because it is just what I think, but because other people don't think the same way I think. They don't use the same words. They don't have the same combination. They don't use the same in, in 
reflection on, right? Like it gets interpreted by different people in different ways. And always, so like I can come here and some people today will be like, oh my God, my mind is blown. I've learned so many things. And some people will be mm-hmm. like, meh, like, eh, don't, meh. Yeah. And that's It didn't fine. do much for me. And so yeah. like every, but every time I speak, every time I speak, I have that opportunity. Every time Jeff speaks, you have mm-hmm. that opportunity. Every time you speak, you have that opportunity. And you can use that opportunity to speak about what you care about, the change you want to make, the contribution that is uniquely yours. Or you can use that voice to duplicate someone else's. And I think that's, um, it's a really big thing when it comes up being authentic and having your own voice. And I saw, I saw, um, something on, I think it was TikTok. It was, it was Gary V and he, somebody asked him, why do you use so much profanity when you talk? He's like, cause it's just how I talk. I'm passionate about things. Those things, those words just come out. It's just how I talk. He's like, if somebody doesn't want to sign my media company to a multi-million dollar media deal because I said fuck in an interview, then I don't want to do business with them because they don't want uh, they don't want authentic me. They want a version of me. Yeah. And I thought that was that was huge because yeah, you know, in the in the professional world, you know, yeah, using that kind of language is kind of frowned upon. But is it? That dude's got a multi-million dollar media company. All by wearing, he wears hoodies and jeans and ball caps, and he's authentically himself. So it works for him. Mm-hmm. It works for him, his personal brand, his voice, and everything that is about him. It works for him. And I think the if people get anything out of you know this discussion today is that your voice is yours. There's people out there who are going to be attracted to it. You know. Um, you know, as much as people despise Donald Trump, there's people out there still doing business with him. He's still a millionaire, oh, you know. Man. He's actually and my he, favorite example of personal branding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, values-wise, him and I are not super aligned. Um, sure. But he has, he says what he believes. And he yep. says what he thinks. He's not trying to be anybody except Donald Trump. And there are people mm-hmm. who love him for it. And there are people who hate him for it. And yep. Gary Vee is the same, right? There's people who love Gary Vee. And like, personally, yeah. I'm not a huge, huge fan, right? Like, and that's fine. He's not trying to make me a fan of his. He is trying to sure. be Gary Vee. And he's exactly. trying to let the people who resonate with that come and follow him and come hang out. And I want you guys to remember too, like we're we're using big names here, right? But these guys, I mean, Donald Trump had a little bit of a hand up with the the money situation um, from the beginning. But Gary Vee, he came from nowhere, right? Like five years ago, did we know who Gary Vee was? No. No, I think at one point in time, he actually helped his dad build like a wine business or like a... Some kind of like liquor store distribution business is what he came from. And then he decided one day, kind of like you, uh, I'm done with this. I want to go do my own thing. And he just kind of said, Dad, I'm, I'm rolling out. And he wanted to go do his own thing. And he was just authentically himself as opposed to selling wine and all that and doing kind of what he was told to do and kind of following in the, the family footsteps. And, um, you know, but, you know, the thing that um, the thing I don't like is when people say, um, cause I've heard this before. I've heard people say, well, you know, um, you had help. Well, yeah, everybody has help. Everybody has had help. You can consider this help. You give me, 
yeah, you can give me 10 bucks. You can give me $3 million. Um, it's all about what I did with it. Yeah. Cause I can, you know, there's some people and, um, there's a, there's a famous rapper down from new Orleans, master P and he got like a $10,000 loan. Um, and he turned it into like a multi-million dollar business to this day. That man is, and he has his hands in so many things and he got help from who gave him $10,000. Somebody did, whether it was a bank or a fr- friend, a family member, somebody gave him that help. It's what he did with it. Mm-hmm. He turned $10,000 into millions and millions. His grandchildren, grandchildren are going to benefit from what he did because he did something with it. So, you know, and to be he, more specific, he did his thing with it. Yes. It's not he, did, like he did what the, he wanted. He didn't do what somebody told him to do. Right. He did and let's he just imagine he did get the $10,000 from a bank. Okay. It's not like you probably have to pitch of some kind to the bank if you're going to get money. But at the same time, it's not like the bank hands you a, a list of like, okay, now here's how you're going to create your business. And this is what your no. image is going to be. And, and blah, no, like he created that based on who he was. And now yeah. he gets to just do him. And it's similar yeah. when you look at people like Beyonce, Oprah Winfrey, right? Like yes. Steve Jobs, all of these people, Tesla, or Elon Musk, right? Like all of these yep. people have just done what they wanted to do. Elon Musk is like the most opinionated about that. <laughs> He's just yes. like, I do what I want to do. And if you guys don't like it, then fine. But lots of people buy my cars. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm doing big things. What are you doing? Yeah. And, and, and I'm the modern day Tony Stark. What are you? You know, I, know, I mean, he, right? he hasn't figured out. And it's so he just said something last night or like a day or two ago. He said, if the UN can prove to me how they could fix world hunger, I'll sell Tesla stock right now and donate $6 billion. If you can figure it out and you can show the accounting on an open source accounting network for the world to see how you can fix it. I'll give you $6 billion right now. Cause you had $8.4 billion last year to do it. And it's still a problem. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that authenticity out of him to where he's like, Hey, cause normally if a, CEO or founder of a company said something like that on Twitter, the corporate board would shut him up. Like, what are you doing? Oh yeah. We're, we're sales are going to plummet. But now in a world where we have so much social media, so much access, you know, you have access to use your voice. I, I kind of think maybe the uh, consequences aren't as grand. Um, well, I, think I mean, the ability to speak when like people that. say terrible things, <laughs> sure, that's where that's where consequences start to roll in. Um, yeah, but I and and the overarching conversation here when we're talking about using your voice is like to take stands for things you care about, right? It's not to attack yes. other people. Or I'm a big Dale yeah. Carnegie fan. Use it fan for good, not for golden, evil. <laughs> yeah, one of his golden rules is never criticize, condemn, or complain. And so, hmm. like, I'm not here to use my voice to contempt to condemn another human or criticize another human or complain about the state of the world. I'm here to use my voice to drive the change I want to see. And when you use your voice to do that. Well, and I I beg the question of people who want to complain. What have you accomplished? You've complained. You just made complained about the issue. Thanks. Yeah. I can complain about the issue too. 
neither one of us has fixed anything. Um, and we all want to complain and vent, and I have no problem with that. But it, it gets to a point where it's like, all you do is complain. What are you doing to help fix the problem? You know, because people complain all the time. So what do you, how are you using your voice for good and evil? And that's why, um, you know, I've done some coaching before, especially in the leadership realm. And I've always asked people like, do not look at politicians as role models and as examples of how to use your voice because they use it for evil, not for good. Well, look at and it's people. Also, I have a, a lady that I met in the past year who was in provincial politics here in Canada and I was like, I need, I want to talk to you. I need to learn more about this because I am trying to drive change specifically in our healthcare and education systems. And those are politically funded systems. Um, yep. And I talked to her and it just, the picture that she paints is terrible, right? Like there's yeah. no room. There's no room for authenticity in politics. And until yeah. there is, well, this is one of the things, my five-year goal, five-year goal is to create a, at least a crack a crack in the political system that believes in authenticity <laughs> um, because the yeah. people do, the people believe in that. And so yes. again, like I mentioned at the beginning of this interview, there's so many of our systems that are just built around. Yeah. Not authenticity. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to see the authenticity in politics and a lot of people will, you know, that's why I've, I, I try to stay away from politics. But something I like to tell people is that, you know, you're, there's no there's not authenticity. There. Don't look at them and say, you know, that you're using that as a way of being authentic or that they're just a bad example. Um, there's so many more people out there that are way more influential in doing what they're doing than, you know, politicians are. You know, politicians are are. are using their voice for a narrative um, and they're duplicating what people before them came. They're duplicating what the system has told them to do um, in, in a way they're more conforming to get in line than anybody else is. And this is a world where we're not doing that as much. Yeah. We're using our voices. We're being authentic. We're developing brands. We're establishing, our, establishing ourselves as experts and entrepreneurs and, and all these grand things. And, People like Elon Musk and Steve Jobs and and a lot of these other younger entrepreneurs even are showing that, you know, you don't have to wait forever to be an entrepreneur. Just because Steve Jobs um, broke through the mold of Apple, you know, 20 something years after it was first established doesn't mean you have to wait that long. It just means he had to grind it out in a society and in a culture that didn't lend itself to entrepreneurship in the eighties and in the nineties. It just wasn't the case. You know, they didn't really start growing. I mean, the iPhone wasn't a thing until the early two thousands. Mm -hmm. Apple had been around for like 25 years already. So I think it's about being patient, using your voice and then, and then getting aggressive with it, start using it and being authentic with it and, and have good people that you follow and you look up to. And take tidbits of, from everybody. Yes, yes. You don't like Gary Vee, but I, I imagine there's something from him you've learned. Oh, you know. I mean, you guys. Even if what you've learned from somebody is that's not something you are, it's actually funny because I was in this um, coaching program once, and I ended up. I was in it for about four months, like pretty happily, and then I just realized that me and the lady who led the coaching program were like completely. In one of the sessions, she said. 
she needed to change her personal brand because she was launching this new product. And I was like, ah, I feel like we're not aligned because I feel <laughs> like you should choose a product or someone would choose you as a partner because of who you are, not because you need to change who you are. And mm-hmm. so in that moment, I learned that like, wow, I'm not aligned with this person. And it's not that I'm right and she's wrong or any of those things, but we are not, we're not aligned. We should not hang out anymore. Um, and now we don't. And it's, it's, it's fine. It, it was the first, uh, to me, it was my first investment because I had to pay a cancellation fee to get out of that program. Um, I always consider it my first investment in my personal brand, my personal brand. That's That's not the right place for me. And I need to be somewhere else. Um, and it's just like, it was so good. It was so empowering. It's so empowering to take those moments and be like, you know what? I'm not like that. You know what? Like, oh my yeah. gosh, that person's totally my person because I'm exactly like that. Um, like this morning I had a coffee chat and the lady I was talking to, I was talking to her about scones because I make scones and she was like, oh my God, I love scones. <laughs> like, you never know what you're going to connect no. with somebody over and you never right. know when you it's not going to be aligned with you. but we're not here to be friends with all people. We're not here. I can't be friends with 8 billion other people. Are you crazy? Like that? I can barely be friends, like close friends with a hundred people and do a good job of being their friend. Right. Like (laughs) we're not meant for that. And it's, it's not about being more like Gary V or more like Donald Trump or less like them or anything like that. It's just about being more you being more of you. And when someone else, someone outside of yourself helps you identify what more you looks like, again, whether in the positive or negative direction, that's good. We get that. We get that support from being around other people. If we're just all going to sit in our houses by ourselves and interact with nobody, our opportunity for personal growth is very low. Um, Our opportunity Mm -hmm. to understand what authenticity is is very low. And so part of that journey is learning what's not what's not authentic, what's not aligned. And we all have made those mistakes. We all have done things that don't feel authentic. We have all journeyed down the wrong road. We're like, oh, that was a wrong turn. Better go back. Um, it's, all journeys are unique, but all journeys have those. Have those yes, they do. You have that aha. You, you have that aha moment where you realize Hey, this is the direction I need to go in, or oh, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Like I, when I first kind of started getting into business and trying to do some stuff on my own, uh, I was really into Tony Robbins, even though I really don't like him very much. Um, but I was just kind of told, "Hey, you know, Tony Robbins is the guy." You know, uh, m- millions of podcast downloads. He sold millions of tickets to all his events. They're big and glamorous and all this stuff. He's wrote books. He, um, he's the man. If you want to look at somebody, look at him. And I tried to, and I just didn't like it. I just didn't like him. He's smart, too. He he deserves all the credit and all the uh, success he's had. But I just, me and him didn't vibe. I just, I don't like listening to him. I don't, I just don't. Um, And that's fine. You know, I've found other people that I do like listening to. But I've met people who are like, Tony Robbins changed my life. I'm like, that's awesome, dude. I'm glad. I'm glad. He does nothing for me, but I'm glad he's done it for you. And that's a really big deal. And I think that's where some of your programs are, are a real big deal. Like you helped me find my voice, which is what the most important thing that I could have done is the biggest investment I've ever made was finding my voice and, and, and having those chats with you. But you also do 
other things. You okay. have the permission to do you at work uh-huh. series. Um, and then you also have the business peeps. Tell us about both of those. Yes. Um, so my LinkedIn live series permission to do you at work is all about exactly that. <laughs> For one, in my experience, there's so many people who just feel like they can't do a thing. And there's actually not a very good reason for them to not do it, besides the fact that they don't have explicit permission to be able to do Mm -hmm. it. And that's what that show is about. So I have weekly guests from a variety of different arenas. We've had mental health experts, passion experts, life coaches, executive coaches, career coaches, resume experts, a variety of different people on that show. And the overall narrative is about how can you be more you at work. And it's not specifically targeted at entrepreneurs. It's not specifically targeted at corporate because I feel like almost all of these things, they might show up in different ways, but they're equally mm-hmm. relevant. And yes. I am not a believer in that you, if you go work in a corporate environment, that you have to trade your personal brand to go work there. I think that in this environment of the great resignation that people are realizing that they have an opportunity to find a business to work for that aligns with them. Yeah. Like I said earlier, people are searching for that. Yeah. We just have to be brave enough to one. Well, we need to have the clarity on what that is for us. We need to know Mm -hmm. enough about our personal brand to find that alignment. And two, the organizations need to start taking this into consideration in their hiring practices and things like that. But as an interviewee, you have that power, right? It cares about people is important for you, right? Like this is a thing for me. Like I, I believe in human experiences that feel good for their humans. So if that's something that's important to me, show up at your interview and ask them about that. Ask them how that might show up in their day-to-day activities with each other, with clients or with prospects or whatever. It's, we have the ability ourselves to start driving this to that there might be, and there still are, right? There's corporate environments that will just like slam the door on that and be able to be like, I'm bringing my personal brand to work. And they're like, no, Um, not today. (laughs) And that teaches you something, right? If it's important enough for you to, to bring the pictures of your kids to work or it's important to you to be able to leave at two o'clock on dance performance days so you can go watch the dance your corporate environment won't allow you to do that you have to realize that you are trading something that has value to you for something and does that something you're trading it for have more value to you sometimes it does right sometimes that paycheck sometimes that security does and it's a good decision, right? Like, yeah, for you. Yeah, it's you a great decision for you. Everybody. And that's why bringing your personal brand to work and the concept of authenticity is important because only you can make that decision. And it's not like, I'm not going to judge. I always tell people I'm like the least judgy person. I never get offended, right? Like, I don't, like, you do you. That's because I want to create a space where I do me. And if that bothers you, then I'm sorry. Like, this is what's right for me. This yep. is what's right for my family. This is what works for us. And if that doesn't work for you, it doesn't matter because you don't have to do it. Um, That's fine. And yeah. so, like, th- we have so much power to bring those things to work with us. And then we just need to get the clarity 
to do that. And so that's what that episode, or that what that series is about. So you guys, um, if you would love to come follow me on LinkedIn, I talk about personal branding and authenticity all the time. Um, so you can and it's good stuff. It's good stuff. I've been to some of them with before. that conversation. Um, yeah, and and the other people like Jeff and like lots of other people may network who are participating in that conversation and working in different parts of their journey to continue to be themselves, continue to drive that authenticity. And that also leads into the existence of the Your Business Peep community. The reason why that, so I created the community with my co-founder, Tara Argo, and we created it because there is zero place to practice being authentic. (laughs) We're all expected to show up at work. We're all expected to show up on social media. Except Mm -hmm. if we don't know what authentic looks like for us, we can't just show up and be that because we don't know what it is. And like I said, it's a journey. You're going to take long turns. You're going to try something. It's not going to feel authentic. You're not going to want to do it again. Just like, so I played competitive basketball growing up. And if you want to get good at basketball, where do you need to go? Gym. Basketball court. Yeah, you got (laughs) to practice. Like even I had like I had a basketball hoop in my driveway, but like I don't have the lines marked out. It's kind of crooked because it's on the driveway, right? Like it's not good practice. It's it's better than nothing, but it's not good practice. I go to the gym. I go to basketball practice to do that. And and I get the more you practice, it's my so Steve Nash. I'm maybe showing my age in terms of the NBA, um, but he's Canadian, <laughs> so he's kind of like the famous short Canadian guy. <laughs> Um, his story is crazy because he started playing basketball I think in like grade nine he like never made the teams but he practiced and he practiced and he practiced and finally in grade 12 he made it and then he got drafted into the NBA right so he he put in the work to be a good basketball player if you want to be authentic you have to put in the work all of our habits right now are based on not being authentic so all Mm -hmm. of the default activities we take are, are, are like societal norms or family norms or cultural norms. It's all norms. And so to figure out who you are and how you want to show up, you need to practice. And it's kind of a scary activity. So you want to practice in an environment that's safe where all of the other people care about you being you. And there is no outside agenda to the entire community except you showing up and practicing being you. And if you show up one day and you don't like how you describe yourself, great. Don't describe yourself that way next time, right? Like, right. I'm not going to hold you accountable. I'm like one of those people. I I hate the I help statement because I think it makes everybody sound the same. We talked a lot about voice, right? So it's yeah. about figuring out what are the ways that you like to describe who you are and what you do that feel easy coming out of your mouth. Because if it feels difficult to say, all you're going to do is memorize it and then say it like a robot. And like, what is that going to mean to anybody? I can mean anything right. to anybody. Right? Just another sea of robot voices. Don't be a sea. Don't be in the sea of robot voices. So Come, the business peeps. Join your business peeps and practice what it sounds like. That's where you practice. You. I like it. So um, what's in store next? What is, uh, what's the next big thing going on? Um, so for me, the next big thing is my permission to do you bonanza. Uh, which is happening. It starts November 29th. Um, and it's a three week personal branding bonanza. It is not a summit. It's not a conference. People have called it different things. The reason why I call it a bonanza is for one, it's a celebration. 
the celebration of personal brands. And two, the definite, I should just have this in front of me now, but I don't know. But the definition of bonanza is like a, a sudden burst of wealth and good feeling and all of these mm. things. And that's what it is. It's not like one of these fuddy-duddy virtual summits where you're going to sit there for a day and listen to speakers and take a few notes and then do nothing with those notes. Have <laughs> them away later. It's about showing yeah. up. It's about <laughs> building relationships with people. It's about doing things. And it's about taking steps towards your personal brand. So there's 50 international experts. So this is not just the Tracy show. It's it's a whole bunch of people. It's a whole bunch of perspectives on personal branding. The, the thing we have in common is that we believe in you doing things your way. There are zero experts at this event who will prescribe you a way to have a personal brand, uh, which is why there's so many of us. We're giving you options of what is the first step for you? What does that, what feels right? What feels aligned? Because as much mm -hmm. as I'm a believer in that there's growth outside of the comfort zone, our personal brand dictates our comfort zone. And operating That's outside true. of your personal brand is not what it's about. It's about growing in the direction of your personal brand where your personal brand says yes. And there is no, if you guys take only one thing away from this interview, I want it to be this. There is no one path for people to build their personal brand. There is not. And I, mm. I do one path. I do, I work with people who feel like that's the right path for them, like Jeff, right? And that's yep. not the right path for all people, which is why the bonanza exists because there's, you could choose from 50 different paths <laughs> and, and cool. feel which one is right for you. And, yeah, like that might sound kind of like, whoa, 50 paths, how do I choose? But it's about you connecting to who you are. Like what feels right? I'm a very big yeah. on the feelings. Um, That's a different take to the whole uh, seminar, you know, summit type of thing. It's a, it's a, I like the way you use the word bonanza and that that's how you're using it because it's very much a, um, almost like a journey. It's like a three week yeah. journey of kind of finding you know, yeah, as things you can do, you can sign up to go to classes and courses or whatever you have scheduled with certain speakers. Um, but you are fully in control. You don't have to go to the limited options. You can go and you can kind of choose a quote unquote path to follow and kind of mold it to yourself. So it's a, it's a personalized experience. I think that's uh it's really neat. So what's in store for 2022? Oh, this is another thing that I'm very excited about um, because if you guys haven't figured it out, I, I care about authenticity. Um, so in January, <laughs> I'm launching an Authentic Leadership Academy and it is Ooh. a six month program and work through individual authenticity, how you use that individual authenticity to build connections with other people. Because let's be honest, as a leader, you don't do it without other people. You need to be able to build those connections. Then understanding what your unique leadership style is. There is not another thing that I hate is like strengths assessments and personality assessments. And I'm like, mm, there's some value. I'm not, not saying there's no value. It can tell you some things, but it only tells you things you already know. Really. Well, and it doesn't tell you what to do with it. Right. It just tells you the I'm a green blue or whatever it is. What do I do with it? J, which I don't even yeah. know is a thing, but like, what is that? You're just, you've just yeah. decided that our human design is the new big one. There's 16 different buckets. 
You can't, you can't tell me that there's only 16 different types of people in the world. There's 8 billion different yeah, people. There, as far as I'm either. concerned, there's 8 billion different bosses. <laughs> so yes. what that also means is that you have a unique leadership style. And it's, it's about taking that. I used this example yesterday. So another LinkedIn live show I do in conjunction with Carl Sean Watkins um, is Authentic Leadership 101. And we talked about this yesterday in terms of if you are going to, so my, my boss, when I worked in corporate, always wanted me to get better at negotiation. Now, I didn't understand the problem with my negotiation skills because I was always in budget. I always had great relationships with the vendors. We always got what we needed on time. Like, apparently I'm doing something wrong when it comes to negotiation. <laughs> and that's because I never got, like, the lowest possible price. And so she taught me how to do that, her process for doing that. And I, it never felt good. It always felt slimy. And like, if you want me to negotiate that hard, you should lower my budget because then I'll try because I will be on budget. I will be on budget. But like, you gave me this budget and they're within the budget. So why would I negotiate them harder? This like, I think we're getting a good value trade. Like, anyway, and so guess what? In her eyes and in my own eyes at the time, I was bad at negotiation because I couldn't do it like her. But I'm not supposed to do it like her. I'm supposed to do it like me. And this is why it's so important for you guys to understand your own leadership style is that like negotiation is a skill. Communication is a skill. Uh, Those things are skills. They're they're actions you can do. But what way are you going to do them so that you can get behind it and you can accomplish it in a way that feels good for you? It's not about being fake. So it's about taking all those things together. The most beautiful part about it, though, is at the end of the day, the goal of the program and for the people who come and participate in the program is to create authentic spaces for other people. And so you're going to learn all of these things about yourself as a leader. And at the end of the day, the goal is to take all of that and be able to disseminate it into your work environment. So whether you're a business owner or a manager of people at a corporate environment, you can take that and you can create space where other people can come and bring their personal brands to work. Um, because I get to create one space where people bring their personal brands to work. And I want everybody to have a space where they can bring their personal brands to work. And so the leaders nice. that are invested in doing that, this is exactly who that program is for. So you have the, uh, the bonanzas coming up here in a couple of weeks. Um, and then of course you have all your coaching and your leadership courses and and your programs that you do and then you have uh, the academy coming up in january so where can people go to find out more about tracy and these services the well you guys can find me on linkedin tracy borison i'm there all the time um you can also check out my website tlbcoaching.com um, I was like, I have a blog on there, which I really enjoy writing again, all about personal branding, being authentic, authentic cultures at work, all that good stuff. Um, and all of the information on any of the events or courses you can find on the website as well. Perfect. So that's tlbcoaching.com. Uh, it'll also be in the show notes. So you can check that out and you can check out Tracy on LinkedIn. I'll drop that uh, link in the show notes as well. Um, Tracy, it was a pleasure having you on today. It's always good to catch up. Um, you're doing a lot of big things. And I think that's awesome. That's why you were at the top of the guest list when I said, I'm going to do this podcast thing. And one of the first people I thought of was 
Well, my first guess was Carl Sean Watkins because me and him go back a ways. But then I thought, you know, I got to have Tracy on here because if it wasn't for her, I probably would have never have done this and thought or even thought of the idea of it. Um, so I had to definitely have you on because of the way you impacted my life. And, and I know you're doing it for others. Um, so I thought it was just a great way of saying thank you and helping you out and having another good discussion, of course. Um, so thank you for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to hearing about uh, the Bonanza and how the Academy goes. And it sounds like 2022 is going to be a massive year for being authentic. Thanks to you. And I think that's really cool. And I wish you the best. Thank you, Jeff. And thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed. Remember to leave a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening on and check out jeffclarkofficial.com for more. You can also see previews of new episodes and more on social media. Just search COA Pod USA. That's COA Pod USA. Follow, like, and of course, subscribe. And remember, always forward, never behind.